I, at one point, I was working at the music store, running Dirty Kanza, yeah. teaching um, a full load of classes at Emporia State University, being the mother of tw- very active twins. Like, I don't know what I was doing. You're making me feel very lazy. Yeah, well. Sometimes I ride my bike and... <laughs> and do podcasts and talk, do podcasts. sit on the couch and talk yeah. to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, party people? Ted King here, your host at King of the Ride podcast. Welcome back to another great one. Anyone who can drop movie quotes right from the very get-go is a champ in my book. Just wait until this episode gets going with some National Lampoon quotes coming into the midst. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to have Christy Moan as a guest on today's show. Now, think way back to episode number three, still one of the most popular episodes here on King of the Ride. That was with Leland Danes. Now, Leland and Christy, along with Jim Cummins, they composed the Dirty Kanza Promotions team. And on a related side note, Anytime I reference back to previous episodes, I am incredibly sincere that you should take a moment to go listen. Production of these podcasts is not as easily said than done, so there's a lot that goes into these, and I'm really appreciative of the time that our guests make to sit down and gab with me for an hour. So, even if a particular title doesn't strike your fancy, that's what I love about podcasts. You dip your toe in, you start listening, and boom, you are captivated. So, back on track. I am incredibly captivated by Christy Moan, this absolute entrepreneurial rock star, all-around ripper, partner at Dirty Kanza Promotions, small business owner with Moan Standard along with her husband, Tim, a real estate agent, mother, wife, Dirty Kanza ripper herself. We have a very cool story that we'll get into in this episode. Emporia, Kansas native Christy Moan was very kind to take some time away from her pre-land run schedule and chat with me. Land Run itself is in the recent rearview mirror. That was my first time at that race. Heck, my first time in Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Bobby Wintle, the motor and brains behind Land Run, he has grown his event in a very short time to north of 2,000 people. It is the first official, unofficial gravel race of the year in a very similar manner to what Christy and her team have done with Dirty Kanza to grow it to the granddaddy of gravel races. Bobby creates Land Run smack in a town that doesn't have a thriving cycling community. I should say didn't have a thriving cycling community. Now Stillwater is booming. He opened his shop, District Bicycles, and all of a sudden it is like this March mecca for gravel. He is Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams. Folks, he built it and they came. Terrific event there, and if the cards fall just right, I'll have a conversation with Bobby coming up on the docket here shortly. Now, with all this talk of gravel events, who better to talk to for a minute about the event that has our biggest involvement than the amazing person spearheading it herself, my lovely wife, Laura King. Thank you, Teddy, and hello, King of the Ride friends. Even before Ted and I moved to Vermont, people, friends, cyclists, they've been asking us, when are you guys going to start an event? It took some time, but having experienced so many great ones throughout the country over the years, Ted and I took our collective 35 years in the industry and said, you know what? We're in. Let's do this. With that experience, we're taking the best of the best, the very best of Vermont, the best aspects of riding a bike in general, and we are throwing a summer hoedown party with Rooted Vermont. It's that incredible feeling of being rooted here, having found our true home in Vermont. It's that local community that we want to share with the greater cycling community. So in a state with more dirt roads than paved, that's right, 
Rooted Vermont will feature smooth, fast-rolling dirt, some fun, challenging sections of Class 4 roads, spectacular views, Vermont in glorious peak summer, the promise of maple creamies, and if you don't know maple creamies, well, they're twice as good as they sound, and now you'll just have to find out. Chef Justin Walker is coming to make a post-ride feast that makes me salivate already thinking about it. Wood-fired maple bacon pizza by Colavita, the best IPAs, hard ciders, and we guarantee August 4th to be a party you do not want to miss. And I want to especially reach out to women. If you're new to gravel or you want to build confidence and skills, stay tuned for a weekend clinic that will be coming here in Vermont a couple of months in advance of the event. More information on that will be coming, but feel free to email me, laura at rootedvermont.com for more details. And finally, we have a limited number of spots. So if you haven't done so already, hit pause, head to rootedvermont.com. That's Vermont spelled out right this second and hopefully get yourself registered. Thanks, hun. We can't stress it enough. Rootedvermont.com. That is where all the action is. With those limited number of spots, you're going to want to act fast. Anyway, PSA complete. Folks, Christy is a hoot. We talk about Rooted Vermont in this episode as she knows full well how much hard work, dedication, involvement it takes to get an event like this going. She's awesome, and I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. So thanks very much to Christy for taking the time. Similarly, I want to thank Icor for presenting this episode of King of the Ride. Icor is a clean, natural source of recovery-enhancing, full-spectrum hemp extract. They design their products with athletes in mind, and their goal is to protect your body from these stresses of training, improve recovery from intense efforts, and maintain a positive mental state. I've had the good fortune of trying Icor's current lineup of products, and maybe a thing or two that I'm excited to see coming down the pike. I find their products to be quite tasty, which is a distinguishing fact already in the world of hemp extract. Icor and I want to help you try their products as well, so head over to icorlabs.com, that is I-K-O-R-L-A-B-S.com, and save 15% by using the code KINGOFTHERIDE. That is all one word. Folks, that is it from here. Thank you very much for listening. Please enjoy this episode with Christy Moan. Name that movie. Uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yes, excellent. I often, anytime I see an RV, I say that, and no one really seems so to. So does Tim, which means I hear up. it all the time. Okay, good. Does Tim like to echo the same joke many time and yes. or quote the same movie? Yes. He has a standing joke that he's had since we've gotten married. Uh huh. So, what time were we supposed to meet today? Uh, originally ten thirty a.m. But what time did you reschedule it for? First one. Okay. Then two. Two o'clock. O'clock. That's his joke. O'clock? It's so stupid. (laughs) I think it's It's already over my head. Right. That's it. O'clock? Yeah, and then you say o'clock, and of course it's two o'clock, because that's what... It's so dumb. And he says it like, we've been married 22 years. Tim's going to be like at home, I hope, listening to the podcast, cracking up, loving that our joke is the highlight of... The joke is, yeah, he'll be, you know, I have to say o'clock, or he says it for me. It drives me nuts. Well, that's funny, because we're now... Yeah, the punchline of the joke is already lost on me. O'clock. O'clock. Well, here we are uh, in home sweet home on four wheels. Can you yeah. please paint the picture? Where are we? Uh, we're in a our little 23-foot RV uh-huh. that we travel around with Moan Standard behind us going to cycling and running events and 
I run our race, ride a race, and Tim schleps his wares, and it's pretty fun. I work from the road, and so does he. Nice. Largely speaking. Well, yeah, I imagine you have a lot going on. I mean, you are... <sighs> Serial entrepreneur. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Um, partner in Dirty Kanza Productions. Promotions, yeah. Mm-hmm. Promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, Dirty Kanza participant, finisher, racer, mother of... Two. Mother of two. Don't put four up. Oh no, I was going to, I was just counting. Two. Okay, mother of two. Uh, they're home sweet home right now? They are 21. So Goodness. They, flo- they Gallivanting flew the, the world. Nest. Yeah. yeah. Smart kiddos. Doing all things that 21-year-olds should be doing. Good. Good, good, good. <clears throat> um, okay, where did you say, uh, where's your, where have your travels taken you in the RV and uh, uh, Moan Standard Mobile of late? Uh, well, last year was our first year on the road, and Land, Land Run was actually our first event, so this is kind of the beginning of our second year. Oh, no kidding. Perfect. So, Homecoming yeah. of sorts. Homecoming of sorts. Uh, uh-huh. We launched at Land Run last year, and then, oh, gosh, last year we did the Epic, um, which you're be at this year. The um, Epic 150. Yeah. Yes. So we'll be back there this year as well. Outstanding. April um, 27th, if I'm not mistaken. Like that. Yep. That sounds Sweet. right. Sweet. Get to see you two I, months a in a row. Lot. This is the it's greatest. the best part. That's why we do this. Like, Land Run is kind of the mark of the gravel season in my mind. Like, I suffer through the winter just yeah. waiting to get back to the gravel family. And it's like, this is kind of where we kick off. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll do we'll do the epic, and then I don't know if we have anything formal in May, because usually we're gearing up for Dirty Kansas. You're probably full steam ahead. Yeah, we um, have we'll we'll do the DK Camp, mm-hmm. um, but that's right out of the store. Right on. And then um, the expo. Then um, what else we have on the docket? Uh, we do a big trip out to um, Rivertown Revival in Petaluma, California. Cool. And usually. There'll be some other pop-ups in San Francisco, California, in that area when we when we're out that direction. Um, and they're gonna they're Vanessa and Yuri Oswald. Vanessa's really involved with that. Sure. And that's kind of how we got the hook up there. And far out. Um, it's a it's a cool reason to make a trip across the country. It is. So and then we'll do RPI Steamboat. Excellent. Uh, Gravel Worlds. Uh, Rooted Vermont. That's August third, yeah. fourth. Why yeah. not just add another play the uh, destination station, that way? We're yeah. doing unpaved. Okay, perfect. That's that's in, in October, though, October, right? October, November. Okay, goodness gracious, that's a long haul. You should make a three dimensional <laughs> or make a map and then you know lay it out and draw this back and forth and how crazy travels that your guys are doing. Well, I I really want to do like a Moan Standard T shirt that's like a concert tee. Yes. Precisely. Like, here's all of our event. Here's all the venues we're playing this summer. I love it. <laughs> this gravel season. <laughs> so, taking a, a step back to help paint the yeah. picture, Moan Standard is a brick and mortar establishment in Emporia, Kansas. Correct. Which you and your husband Tim started when? Uh, I think 17? I seventeen. Okay, sixteen. I think 16. it must have been between it was sixteen, sixteen, and seventeen it was because 16. it wasn't there the first year. My first Kansas was no. two thousand sixteen. It was October sixteen because I went to Laos. Okay. In November of that cool. year, so that was, yeah, he'd been going. He'd been going for a month. Nice. Yeah. Um, your history was not in re- retail brick and mortar, was it? We had a music store right across the street from. Whoa. Eighteen, nineteen years. Yeah. Okay, so when I said it's not. In brick and I meant it, your history was in brick and mortar. Yeah, precisely. that's what you meant. That's it was exactly um, in brick and mortar. In addition to, <laughs> like you said, serial entrepreneur doing a yeah. variety of things. Yeah. Um, not least of which is starting this little event called Dirty Kansas. 
Well, I didn't start it. Right. I'm. I'm. I, I'm. My claim to fame is I moved it downtown and helped grow it. Okay. But, yeah. Very good claim to fame. Let's let's move more through the chronology. Okay. You are born and raised in Emporia, Kansas. In Emporia, Kansas. Yeah. Kansas. Goodness gracious. Well, it's because it's Kansas. That's know. how you know it. Well, it's better than people who are like, "Hey, how was Dirty Kwanzaa this year?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, there's no W, and you're being crazy." But they they say it completely straight That's faced. That's hilarious. Have you heard that one? No. I oh my heard gosh. That one. <laughs> Talking to you, Bill Tigurian. Um <laughs> First things first, yeah. what's it like growing up in Emporia, Kansas? Um, gosh, I'm super lucky. I'm one of four, um, okay. oldest of four. You, most people could probably tell I'm the oldest lucky <laughs> without guessing. Having three siblings? What's the luck factor here? The, my family is okay. just uh, amazing. My dad vet, was a veterinarian. My mom was a, an educator, high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, she stayed at home with us till I in, entered high school, my freshman year of high school. She decided to go back to teaching, meaning she was a teacher at the high school I went to, which was mortifying. Yes, I bet. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, pretty good connections there. Um, and Emporia is very small. How big is 26, your... It's 26,000. Then? It's currently? always been about the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, How big was your high school class? Uh, 220. Okay. So not, not tiny. Not, Tiny, tiny. Right. Um, I definitely um, was kind of uh, picked to not be the person that would live in Emporia. Yeah. So I I graduated and went to the University of Kansas, spent summers Lawrence? working. Yep. Larry. Yep. Okay. Step, so spent summers working in um, for the YMCA of San Francisco out at Camp Jones Gulch between La Honda and Pescadero. Cool. Um, and lived out there um, for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. After that, and then moved back to Emporia. What'd you um, study when you were at? Spanish and curriculum and instruction, high school Spanish teacher is my background. In. Hey, get down. Did uh, you ever practice? We have Ella Fitzgerald yeah, visiting us. Yeah, That's my puppy. It's a furry, four, <laughs> four-legged Ella Fitzgerald. Um, uh, well, yeah, and I lived in Costa Rica, so I, I mean, I was... And what I did in California was all dual language stuff. Okay. I have to say I'm really rusty at this point because it's been a long time since I've truly... Used it regularly. I, it's there, but rumor it's pretty is, it's ugly. Like riding a bicycle. That's the rumor. But your conjugation of <laughs> verbs gets sticky. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, growing up in Emporia, mm-hmm. did you ride a bicycle? No. Um, three siblings. Family growing up there. Are your is your family still in the area? Yeah. Entirely. Um, I have a sister that lives in Kansas City. I have a sister that lives in Wichita. Mm-hmm. And then my brother lives uh, about a quarter mile from me, and my parents live about a quarter mile from me. Okay. And so, yeah, we're all kind of right there. And as you take your formidable years straight out of college and you go to such places as California and mm-hmm. Costa Rica, at what point do you decide that Emporia is home and where you want to Put down your foundation and lay your roots. Uh, we, we had, after Tim and I got married, um, we were living in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And he, I was teaching at Liberty High School, which is just over across the line in Missouri. Espanol? Yep. Muy bien. And, um, see, sí. And uh, <laughs> he was landscaping. Okay. Doing a landscaping job in Lawrence and he didn't really like it. And the story goes, my parents came up with some of their very good friends um, and took us all, took us to dinner and my husband sat next to Max Stewart, who is a friend of the family. Mm-hmm. And and basically, Max said, you should buy this music store in Emporia, Kansas. No way. And 
Tim was a musician. That's his background. That's what he did. He was in a in a band called Grither at the time, an MCA recording artist, and had been with Arista wow. Records before that. And what was his geographic history? Where's Tim from? Topeka. Okay, I knew that. Yep. And so he basically that evening said, "What do you think about us owning a music store in Emporia, Kansas?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I said I would never live in Emporia." Yeah. Um, again, but at the same time, I can teach Spanish anywhere, and I'd been gone enough that. Um, I came back from California because I missed having my family close. Yeah. And so I think my parents saw the, op- they helped us. They saw the opportunity to have an adult child live in the community that they lived in and mm-hmm. kind of pitched in. And that's, that's, awesome. that's where we went. And I stopped teaching and helped Tim at the music store at that time. Cool. Were so. your siblings already in the area? Or um, had they also like th- decided well, to venture out a little bit? the oldest, yeah. my brother had left... Um, my sister, my oldest, my closest in age sister was still there. And then my youngest sister had just graduated, um, high school and was attending K-State. Mm-hmm. So in Manhattan. Yep. So. Very cool. There's a lot of veterinarians in my family. Excellent. A lot. Well. So. We love animals. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that was, that was growing up, you know, owning the music store in 96. 96 was the first year. Yeah. We've got, we got married, got bought a music store and got pregnant with twins in 96. Goodness. The trifecta. Like, let's jump on that three was, treadmills all at once. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And you say with a, you say not good, but you say with an enormous smile. Well, I mean, like there's something that is, that is cool about having your, your feet put over the fire and saying, all right, here is real life. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. What's the, what's the most challenging part about owning a music store in Emporia, Kansas? Um, I don't, I think, the, when we bought the store, um, he ha- the service there hadn't been um, as as accommodating as it probably needed to be. And so really, at that time, Musician's Friend, which was a catalog, mm-hmm. was pretty prevalent mm-hmm. in the, the community. So really kind of bringing back the brick and mortar and out, getting people out of the catalog shopping yeah. was challenging. Um, and really, it... I don't know if there was anything that was really challenging. It was it was a lot of hours, yep. um, and for Tim in particular, because he repaired all those instruments. And like during the summertime, we repair all of the summer band instruments from kids, like just hundreds and hundreds of horns. And he was just he got tired of cleaning kids' spit out yeah. of <laughs> out of horns. And yeah, so I guess it just kind of became where it wasn't so rewarding. So we sold it, and which is. Cool to look at a transition between, okay, seeing 18 years of retail in in the music store, seeing how so many things in in bicycling, cycling retail Mm -hmm. is online. We live in an Amazon world, but then I think there is this sort of very heartfelt feel to walk into a bike shop, to walk into a music shop, to go into something like Moan Standard and be able to, you know, touch the materials. Yeah. Well, So talk about Moan Standard for a bit. It's not your traditional bike shop. No, the Gravel City Moan Standard concept is one that um, I implemented in my real estate business. Definitely going to get into that. Well, but that was the fact that where my real estate company is, um, we have a yoga studio and clothing store and a coffee shop in the front of it. And then our our real estate office is in the back. So the concept is sharing rent, like Mm -hmm. reducing expenses, which is the biggest you know, one of the easiest ways to make your business profitable is to reduce your expenses. And mm-hmm. if you can share expenses like utilities and overhead, um, it it reduces the bottom line, you know, expenses pretty quickly. And, and do you have yogis 
selling real estate and slinging coffee? Or, no. Okay. It's all pretty separate. I didn't know if you were all... Okay. Right on, right on, right on. <laughs> but they, you know, the there's a door that closes between the two businesses and yeah. the real estate office is secured separately when, when we're closed. So it, it works. And so that concept we just took... And and did, knowing that a bike shop is a hard sell because yeah. of the th- ba- the facts you just mentioned, mm-hmm. the concept of having the clothing store, same for Tim, that's a hard sell. Mm-hmm. So combining it was a way to reduce expenses and provide a different shopping experience for the for the consumer coming in. Mm-hmm. Like we wanted the active lifestyle. Like what does it look like when you live this this lifestyle, and and how can we support you in doing yeah. that and. All of the clothes that we sell at Moan Standard, originally they were all American-made. It's a really tough market um, because it's super high-end. So we switched a bit. We do have a lot of stuff that's still American-made, but we went to a responsibly-made format to help lower the price point on some of the materials, especially in the Midwest where the income levels aren't there to necessarily support that super high-end. But the denim... Um, is all American made. Um, and then several of our lines are all, if they're not American made, they're responsibly made. Nice. And, yeah. It's, Beautiful shop. It is. Like, it's great. Stunning. It's I mean, really it's one pretty. of those places you walk in. And you want to spend money. Exactly. Your you want to dress like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the pop up, he's, yeah. he takes the show on the road and it's got the chain stitcher in it. So if you buy a pair of raw denim jeans and they're too long, he uh-huh. fixes them for you right there on the spot. No kidding. It's pretty rad. That is super cool. Um, and the show is running itself back home in Emporia as we speak, as you guys are on the road. Uh, somewhat. I mean, yeah. that's the, that's kind of the next piece we need to get to is where we can actually afford to have somebody. Mm-hmm. We're in a position right now. We're trying to decide which direction are we going to take it. Are we going to do more of this? Are we going to do less of this? Mm-hmm. Are we going to hire um, help? So. So we're currently in Stillwater, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, which probably shares similarities. I mean, it's a university town. Which much bigger though? It's like eighty-five thousand people. Okay. Or something like that. Okay, a much bigger university. Yeah. Um, but still, I imagine that district bike shop owned by Bobby Wintle, who's who's hosting this event. Um, it is booming. There's a line out the door right now, mm-hmm. and then come Monday afternoon, it's going to be quiet. Probably no different than you know the Monday right. after Dirty Kansas. Right. Um, you have done a tremendous job building the community around Dirty Kansas, you know, you mentioned the camps, uh, or camp, but there are camps, uh, there are other events. Um, 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 at what point did you realize that Dirty Kansas is expandable? Uh, you want to, you want to bring this event to downtown and create something that is absolutely worth getting behind. And it was after the 2008 DK event. So 2006 was the start Uh in 2008. Um, I'd been elected to be the chair of a committee to um, bring events for people to do, like things for people to do in Emporia, because that was one thing, one complaint is there's nothing to do in Emporia, which is never true, but that was kind of the conception or perception. And um, my thought when they appointed me to this was rather than look at building events, look at the events that were already happening in the community. Yep. And seeing if there weren't ways to help them do better at what they were doing. Not recreating the wheel, sure. but going in and supporting whether it was financial or volunteer or whatever it was to help them make their event a better event. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Tim had raced the first Dirty Kansas nice. um, and the second Dirty Kansas. And, you know, I was like going to that and participating in that event. I was like, this, I think this thing's got some legs. What was the first one was 34 participants? Yeah. 
Second one was? Uh, like 50, 70, okay. so I don't know. So it's still know. trickling along. It's not, yeah. When did it get critical mass and uh, start well, to get? Well, when, when we, God, I wish I could remember the year. I know where it was when we opened up registration to 500. Yeah. And I told all of our friends, I'm like, you guys, get on the computer and sign up. Mm-hmm. Like This is no joke. We yeah. And in. it was like sold out in like 30 some minutes. And of course <laughs> I had like 15 phone calls from friends like, oh my gosh, yeah. I didn't sign up. I didn't think it was, I'm like, I... <laughs> Remember when I you? explicitly told you to sign up? Sign up. I meant it. Rick Becker, I'm talking to you. Yeah, buddy. There you go. Come on, Rick. Um, so, uh, the... Well, okay. The, so I don't know what year pause. that was, but, uh, yeah. At what year do you become involved with Dirty Kanza for more than just a, a third-party board member trying to put more momentum oh, on? Oh, 2010, uh, Joel Dyke... Mm-hmm. stepped away one of the co-founders and Jim then asked him and I to be business partners in it. Okay. I'd kind of just been a key volunteer at that point. Gotcha. Um, and Leland who I brought Leland on. Okay. Um, because great podcast episode. Yeah, Shout out to Leland. So good. It was such um, a good one. He asked you some really great questions. I was has, trying to think of good questions for you and oh I was goodness. like, I can't do the Leland. No, he is good. He's, he's, he's yeah. a thinker. He's a very good thinker. Um, Leland had worked for us at the music store. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Full circle. This yep. is outstanding. Yeah. Okay. So 2010, mm-hmm. you get behind Dirty mm-hmm. Kansas. You are a serial entrepreneur doing all sorts of other things. Are you also practicing real estate at this point? Or- In 2010, uh, I've been doing real estate for 10 years now. So no, not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would have been year one. You're like, ah, what the heck, why not? You don't even want to know that stuff. Okay. At one point, I was working at the music store, running Dirty Kanza, teaching um, a full load of classes at Emporia State University, being the mother of very active twins. Like, I don't know what I was doing. You're making me feel very lazy. Yeah, well. Sometimes I ride my bike and... (laughs) And do podcasts and (laughs) sit on a couch and talk to people. (laughs) Wild, wild. Ella, what's your question? Go on. Um, so yeah, Leland, Leland came about in, in twofold. One, we'd been trying to get the city to really step up so that we could get, cause Jim moved back East. Okay. He moved to Pennsylvania. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. And, um, so I, it was Jim and I, and it was k- killing me. Yeah. Like it was too much. Pointing out now that Jim is one of, Jim is the original the, founder. Yeah. He's one of the founders. Um, and I had a phone call with Jim that basically said we, we'd gotten the money from the city to help get him back here full time. Wow. And I had the phone call that was like, Jim, you, you move back or we're putting it back in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's too much. Hmm. And it wasn't making any money. Yeah. I mean, people like to put the pen to paper and figure out what dirty Kansas makes. And it's, right. it's not that simple as you're going to find out with yeah. your event. Yep. 100%. <laughs> what was Jim's but, impetus to move East? Uh, he got a job out there with, yeah. uh, just born. He's a packaging engineer. Yes, I knew that. So, I've, yeah. I've read... Peeps Packaging. Far out. Cummins. Okay. So, we've talked about community and rallying support behind um, behind making Dirty Cans a bigger. One thing that you've done a tremendous job with is building uh, a stronger female presence. Yeah. Um, I believe 200 women, 200 miles was... Was a very it's a big success. Yeah, I mean, talk to me it about that. Me it, it, ma- was, it totally makes me smile. It totally makes me smile. How do was getting this uh, video? Even ear to ear grin. Talk to me about 200, 200. Um, Well, it it really kind of you know really wanting to raise that partic- participation rate. It was like seven to nine percent, maybe. Mm-hmm. It was so low. Mm-hmm. And I talked with Leland and Jim. I was like, we just need to make space. We need to you know. 
And and our event was selling out so fast. It was just like, because that was before the days of the lottery. And okay. um, so basically, uh, right before I went to Laos in November of 16, it was the eve after the uh, election. I left the, the morning after the 2016 election. No kidding. It's crazy that it's already that many years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, I... They basically we had committed 200 spots to set back for them, and yep. we were going to give them. I think it was three weeks to sign up, and and the guys thought it was going to be a three year initiative. It would take yeah. us three years to get to. And you're saying twenty percent when you said six seven percent. That is of all participants or of the uh, the folks in, doing the two hundred in the two hundred mile. Okay, but well, the others weren't. I mean, the others weren't significantly more. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they were. They got higher, but maybe like ten to twelve with the hundred, and then. The 25 and 50, I don't know if we ever really kept track of that. According to my numbers, before 2016, fewer than 10% of participants were women. That jumped 20% with the campaign and 25% across all fields. Yeah, that sounds right. That is noteworthy. That is exceptional. Uh, but the big thing was it didn't take us three weeks to fill those spots. It took us three, three hours. Oh, gosh. Well, they, oh, thought, they, gosh. Th- they thought they would leave the spots open for three weeks. Yeah. They and then they thought, thought it, it was going to be a three-year project, It was a three-year project, project to get it to 20%, and it took three hours. What were the <laughs> tangible things you did to draw attention? How asked, did you get that word out there? We asked women to sign up. Yeah. Well, I really, on what? Like, hey, Twitter. Yeah, tweet, tweet, I mean, sign up. all that stuff. Newsletters. We, yeah. I mean, we launched a campaign of 200 Women, 200 Miles, and uh-huh. um, Celine Yeager came back yep. to do it. I mean, she put it in bicycling. I think it the was chick. just, yeah, it was just a matter of like, Asking, like mm-hmm. having a, a big event say, we want you to come ride our event. Um, so, you know, this year, oh, um, <laughs> I know that I know the 50s at like, I just did a presentation on this, but I don't have my notes. Um, I think the 50s at like 55% women. Whoa. The, the, or maybe that's the 25. Yeah. And then the 50s at like 51%. And the 100... Organically. That's done it That's organically. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. What... Does the 200 women, 200 mile campaign continue? Or do you we're, just... You set it off and it was successful and um, momentum's carrying it. We're repackaging it. Okay. We're... we're 350 women, 350 miles. 350 miles. miles. No. <laughs> I don't want 350 people out there. Are you kidding me? No. no. Um, <laughs> That's probably wise. We're talking about DKXL <laughs> for those insane enough to do 250 um, miles. We're we're switching it and we'll launch it at um, this year's Dirty Kansas Women's Forum, which I'm really stoked about. That mm-hmm. was my my conference call with Lifetime earlier today. Nice. They're super behind this new project, um, but we're really going to try to meet women where they are, mm-hmm. um, with the understanding that riding 200 miles is a difficult task for anybody. And a lot of times for women, it's particularly difficult because we tend to be the caretakers and, you know, of a mm-hmm. lot of different things, not just kids, but. Sure. So um, I'm really excited about phase two of 200 Women, 200 Miles. Nice. So. To talk about the sport in general is is fairly, it's male dominated. What do you suppose those, what are the barriers in the first place? What what are the barriers to entry for women? Um, and and better than that, like, how do we break them down? Well, oddly enough, I have plenty of research on that. I mean, fantastic. <laughs> um, the, first, the first one is the support mechanism. Uh-huh. Um, women need to feel, largely, they haven't felt supported. And that can be a couple different things in my mind or in, you know, like what the research says is like um, having 
the support from family members, work, whatever, to kind mm-hmm. of be doing things like this. Um, and the second thing is is um, not wanting to necessarily ride alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go on a ton of solo rides. So it's not, I'm not saying that women can't ride by themselves. Right. That's how I train. I mean, I'm, I pretty much train by myself. But um, uh, the the flip side and the reality of that is a lot of times when you're first getting started, you want to have somebody to ride with. You want to feel comfortable. Um, you want to be able to ask questions and know that if you get out in the middle of nowhere, you're not going to get stuck. Or mm-hmm. um, So that's really the first big barrier. Yeah. And then the second one is the financial piece because cycling is not an inexpensive sport. Yep. Um, yeah. It's not know, quite the opposite. Running, running shoes, shoes and, and run. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Um, well, and I'm, I'm talking to you both as the race promoter and, and community initiator mm-hmm. as well as Dirty Cans Eraser. Um, um, just, I just did it the one time. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you take a stab at once and it, you didn't? Yes. I so took a stab in 11. You've done it twice. Yeah. Am I making this up? You got painfully close to the finish line. Yeah. What'd you, how far'd you go? 197. 197 out of 206 or 200? It was or 203? two, it w- there was 13 miles left that year. So oh, maybe man. I, maybe it was 193. It was 206, I think was that uh-huh. year. And I started running. I was like, it's a half marathon. Yeah. I've done a half marathon. Yeah, not pushing a bike after riding it for that far (laughs) and with bike shoes on. And I'm like, my goal that year. What was the, what caused the disaster? um, I I had. Let's relive it. I had just come through the last low maintenance section Uh on, and I mean, riding it clean and clear, like, and sliced the side, sliced my tire open, like across the bottom of it. Yeah. So I, I patched, and I'm not known for my mechanical abilities. Okay. I patched it. Nice. And, you know, put the put the boot in uh-huh. and um, put the tube in, yeah. and the boot would not stay in place. And it kept, it just, it just, I was just nursing it. And at some point I stopped on the side. Oh, and what made it worse was that my phone had bounced out of my pocket at Council Grove, which was the third checkpoint. So yep. I didn't have a phone with me. Brutal. Um, Tim had my phone. Yeah. Somebody brought it back and gave it to him. Convenient. So he can text himself. Yeah. And um, Scott O'Mara stopped to help mm-hmm. me and he looked like he needed to keep going. Yeah. You know, I mean, that <laughs> right, like, right, dude, right, right. get back on your bike. I, my only goal that year was to ride 200 miles to prove to myself I could ride 200 miles. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, I got, I'm done. I'm, I feel super good about this. I did not, I did. I really, it was my only failure that I've actually been. Like, I was fine with mm-hmm. it. Um, but the funny story was I didn't have my phone. Like, Scott went off, and then I realized, oh, yeah. I don't have my phone. Like, that's when I figured out I didn't have my phone uh-huh. to, to call Tim to come pick me up. Uh-huh. So Nick Legan yeah. rolls up on me. Nice. And he's like, Christy, um, he goes, uh, I tried calling. He let me use his phone. I tried calling Tim, and Tim sees a number he doesn't know. Sure. Has my phone. Yep, yep, yep. Keep that in mind. Doesn't answer it. And and I go, what about Leland? Do you know Leland Danes? He's like, yeah, I'm saying with Leland or something like that. <laughs> so he calls Leland uh-huh. and he says, hey, Leland, Christy's looking for Tim. She's needing, and he's like, oh, he's right here and hands the phone. Yeah. Brutal. So, yeah. But anyway. Okay. So then in more uplifting news, <laughs> yeah. you raced it, finished it, third in your third in your category. Age group, yeah. Tenth overall. Freaking ridiculous. The, uh, High five. Thanks. Uh, the guy, what I mean, Jim, like? it was, it was redemption sweet. times it was, a thousand. It, it was, um, 
I was the only DK promoter that hadn't finished the event. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And so October of 17, Jim says, hey, do you want to take a stab at it? And I was like, I would would love to. Mm -hmm. I would love to. And I took it seriously. I was like, I'm going to finish this thing. So Yeah, as Laura and I plan rooted Vermont, we had the conversation not too long ago, like, hey, are we are we riding this thing? Are we no. allowed to? No. Um she said to me, I should do it. I'm debating that very thing now. Our event is minuscule by comparison. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it must be all hands on deck come come DK time. Um and that was a huge sacrifice for them. And so that's, I mean, yeah. Colin Earhart was my mechanic, you know, he yeah. and he and Duncan were my mechanics. You were there at that. Yeah. And I, you were there because yeah. I was like, Colin's my here's, dude. here's my extra. I'm like, I have to finish this thing. Mm-hmm. Like under no circumstances, under no can, circumstances I can I not finish this. Uh-huh. And, you know, he, he said afterward, he was like, he goes, that was the most pressure I've ever felt. Cause you know, cool. he's like, I knew I had one. Yeah. I knew you had one shot at it. And, um, would you ever, under what circumstance oh. can you do it again? No, I, I guess if I completely you... stepped away, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I think yeah. it's an amazing event. Mm-hmm. I love the courses we put together. Um, I love the checkpoint towns. I love, I love Dirty Kanza. Yep. I mean, not just because I'm one of the promoters behind it. It's an amazing event, yeah. and it's super fun to do. And so, to get to do it from that side of it, um, you know, I came back with some tips. Of course, you know, yeah. I'm working while I'm out there thinking about, oh, this, right. we, this, we need to think about that. And yep. this is a little bit different and did say to the guys, I'm like, Hey, it's probably not a bad idea if one of us doesn't try to race this every couple of years, just because you get a different set of eyes on things. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, it's, it's a big, it's, it helps now having lifetime. Maybe that will ha- happen after this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, chemo Seymour is telling me I should race it. And I'm just like, I, <sighs> So There's a lot that happens behind the scenes that you just, you just, I'm the troubleshooter. I'm yeah. really good at seeing a problem when it's happening and, and fixing it before it becomes something that people notice. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not, it's not something you can train somebody to do. It's just something that you have to be, you just are lucky if you're good, you know, you're lucky if you have somebody on your team that's good at that. And mm-hmm. that tends to be kind of what I do. So me not being there, there were, you know, there was, it was fine. I mean, it, they, it was, they totally pulled it off, but nice. you know, it was, um, well, huge. it was fun. And it was so fun to come into those guys. Like there's over the moon. Yeah. Jim and, and Leland and, and of course, Tim and yeah. Tina Khan. I mean, yeah. good grief. She wouldn't even <laughs> let me hug my kids. <laughs> Woman's got energy. That was who we hugged in the coffee shop today. Ansel. Yeah. Um, you didn't have a choice. So oh, absolutely not <laughs> there. Right. Is Lifetime has come on board. They mm-hmm. they purchased Dirty Kanza. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, what has that done? What has that freed up? What has that allowed you to do? What has that prohibited um, you from doing? It's not prohibited much. Yeah. I mean, they really are very adamant that we run the show. Mm-hmm. And um, I think almost kind of at the beginning where we're like, oh, you know, dancing through that stuff. But um, uh, the... The big thing is really the back-end support. For example, last year we had, I think it was 44, 45 expo spots. Yeah. This year we're at 190. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Welcome to the new 
So Thursday and Friday is going to be super rad yeah. at Dirty Kansas. And so Untapped I think is going to be sick. It's going to be off the chain. Off the off the is charts. Is that what they say? Chain and off, off the, the chain, Off the charts. Off the hook. Off the, off the, the chain. Um, so, outstanding. 190. Goodness I think gracious. That's booths. That's okay. spaces. Like yeah. I don't know what that. And you can go. You can go to DirtyKansas.com, DirtyKansasTwoHundred.com, and see the exhibitor list there. Fantastic. Untapped will be on there. We'll be right we'll there. We'll have to kind of scroll the down because alphabetically um, we start with a You U. should say. A untapped. Yes. <laughs> um, what? Where? Where is Lifetime based? Uh, Minneapolis. Okay. We work with Athlinks Lifetime out of Boulder, Colorado. What is? That's a differentiation that I don't know the answer to. What is the difference between Athlinks and Lifetime? Or well, they're owned. They're it's a parent company. Who is so. the parent? Lifetime. Lifetime owns Athlinks. Mm-hmm. Athlinks is event. Yeah, the event side of it. Okay. Stuff. Terrific. How long? And I might not have that right, so I mm. think I have it right. But Sounds right. How long was that? I shouldn't say deal in place. How long did it take to, to orchestrate that? How many other events, uh, event promotion companies said, hey, we want to, we like what you guys have built here? What uh, do you how, mean? I'm confused. How? How long was how, the sale in process with Lifetime? Yes. Um, they had approached us, oh, Jim would know better, but I think they approached us in... December of 17. Was that the only company that? No. Okay. That was what I was like. Yeah. There were, there wasn't, there was two other suitors. Mm -hmm. One was a couple of years ago, like 10, like two years ago, three years ago. Um, The other one was kind of alongside the lifetime thing. So, yeah. But we felt like lifetime was the best fit. And um, it's proving to be so, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, among the four owners, four promoters, rather, where do your talents lie? Like you said, you you having the ability to do the the raise in 2017 and, and observe things and say, shoot, these are particular tips and areas we should improve, and having that observant eye to say these are things we should fix before they become a bigger deal, like. Are you on the marketing side? I'm on are the marketing on the side. Operations yeah. side. Yeah. Okay. And Leland's op- more. Leland and Jim are more on the operations side. Got it. Um, Jim is our um, rule keeper, mm-hmm. which is good to have on the team. You know, he's kind of the black and white guy, which yep. is great. Um, but that doesn't mean he doesn't listen to um, the conversations that we have around. Is this a gray area? Do we make this exception? Do we not make this exception? Um, but uh, it's good to have that person. And then we added Tim's. Tim stepped away. He handles the merchandise through Gravel City, so he's not an employee of Lifetime at this point. Noted. Um, but we brought Trevo Whirl on um, as our athletes' um, uh, services director. So she handles all of the emails from athletes. That's been removed from Jim's plate, which was good grief. A massive. We get a massive m- amount. That must be an inordinate number of emails. It's a lot. Beginning with. Yeah. What size tire do I run? Oh my lord! What's what's the woman's name? That was a wonderful name. Treva. Treva. Treva Whirl. Whirl. We call her Trinket. Yeah. Sounds like a fitting name. To yeah. Her. She's well because at some race she signed up for they they are, they are volunteered at or something they had her listed as Trinket. <laughs> so, Perfect. <laughs> it's stuck. Oh, Sorry, man. Treva. <laughs> um, with no shortage of things on your plate, you also have your real estate license. Mm-hmm. Are you are you doing that? Yeah. Wow. Man, where do you find the time? Um, well, you just do stuff. I yeah. don't know. I mean, my my training time is usually in the morning, mm-hmm. like early. 
Um, I just stay pretty organized mostly and try not to get overwhelmed when things are getting, because that will happen where it'll kind of be like crunch time mm-hmm. and you get a little freaked out and overwhelmed. But um, the real estate stuff, um, I've got, an, I have a business partner there and we've got a great crew of agents, like just awesome people. And we brought on four new agents that are, nice. that are eager. And so they're, they're helping carry some of my load and they're getting good experience from it and, and getting those, Customers and clients, their own customer lists built up and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. is it entirely residential? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we do some commercial, but that's yeah. important. I mean, Emporia, you do all real estate. So. Um, when I I was doing some due diligence on Christy Moan, oh, and uh, I was looking back at your original tweets from twenty what two thousand eleven, I think it was. And your first tweets were about horses and real estate, and then you went into a great. Uh, period of purely tweeting real estate. I don't, um, that's coming, I don't know where, because I don't tweet. Like, I'm not oh, on no, Twitter, there, so it's like there, hooked up yeah. to something, and I have no idea well, where. It's, and I think, so long as you haven't deactivated your account, they still exist. They exist That's in crazy, I'll have to yeah. go look at that. Yeah, check yourself out. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, it's always funny to look at your original social media posts. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you're into horses too, huh? Well. According to Twitter. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one in my family that I would say was into horses, okay. but my daughter did, ho- my mom is into horses. Got and it. so she made us do that as a kid. And then when Sydney, um, Mason couldn't do that because he's allergic to horses. Goodness, that's a good so, reason to not yeah, get into Yeah, so Sydney did horses and uh-huh. and she and my mom had that I, nice. horse stuff. I like riding horses. Yeah. I didn't like doing the horse shows and all that. It can be time-consuming, much like riding a bike. Yeah. It can be time-consuming. So here's a question. You and Tim are married, business partners, and a handful of adventures. We're, we're in one of your homes, the four-wheeled <laughs> variety. Um, so point is, you, it can be difficult to find space from your uh, loved spouse. Um, I imagine riding the bike is something of, it's therapy. It's therapeutic. Yeah. It's a good way to just like yeah. have this wonderful therapeutic release. So... Do you guys ride together? Do you take? How do you how do you find separation? Or are are you the kind of couple Both. that like really strengthens with their time together? Oh, uh, we need our time apart, definitely. Yeah. Um, and we do both. Like uh, he's not riding as much right now, which does bum me out. I like to ride bikes with him, um, but I also very much have to ride my bike by myself. Like that's that's where all the ideas come. Mm-hmm. Um. Like the, my voice memo thing is in constant use on my phone, and then I get back and like, oh, that was a good one. That's that's what the hell was that about? I you had take the phone out of the pocket. And I, I just that. do my no. I click on my headphone oh, thing. Super smart. Yeah, nice. just have it record it right then and there. And yeah. then I had one where I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote wrote it down, uh-huh. and I forgot about it. And I um, had to look. I looked back at it like three weeks later, and it was like. Something about shaking the nuts to get the trees and the milk or something. I was, it was so bad. And I was like, I, I thought it was genius because I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote it down. It was uh-huh. really not good. But that's, the bike is my, yeah. I think Jim gets scared when I start going on my longer bike rides because, well, that's how we came up with the number for the number of riders for the DKXL last year. What, was we were, no, for the XL. Oh, sorry. Yeah. We were struggling because like we wanted to keep it limited, mm-hmm. but he, we, we needed a reason. Sure. Like, can't just be like, yo, it, let's do it's 50. 20. And you know, yeah. it's, it, 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 and I, I called him, I was like 34 and he's like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how many that do the DKXL. And he's like, why 34? Yeah. I'm like, that's how many started the DK 200, the first one. He's like, oh, 
Duh. Duh. Great idea. That's a good idea. And that was that was invite only. Yeah. That was thirty four very special people. What's what's the rules on twenty nineteen XL? Uh, it was a application. With what's the cap? Uh, it wasn't cap. Three fifty? No. Okay. I think we have like eighty or something in it. Yep. But we had we accepted two hundred applications and then reviewed them, mm-hmm. and it was hard. That was hard because there were some really amazing applicants. Mm-hmm. There were some that were not just weren't quite ready, and so it you know from our perspective, not that they don't deserve to try to ride three hundred fifty miles. It's just we're managing that on top of the other race races. Yeah. So which the hundred is a race this year too. I don't know. No kidding. Hot damn. No. Turn it up. Um, what do you see in the the momentum of gravel, you know? I mean, I think the entire sport of cycling is fairly fluid and things are changing and, and you know, thirty four people in this event that didn't exist fifteen years ago is now, I believe, over three thousand. It's it's gotten more competitive. It's gotten there's something of a um there's a very cool expo aspect to it. Um, as other as other expo venues are going away entirely and trade mm-hmm. shows are going away entirely, like you have people batting down the, your door to say, we want to be your expo. What's your take on that? Well, I think um, it's really a reflection of, of kind of where we are as a society and not to get too deep on that, but um, I'm super stoked that you've won dirty Kansas twice. I think that's awesome. But I'm also super stoked about all those people that, that get their grails or, you know, it's just, it's to me, yeah, we're, we're excited and we're going to celebrate the winners, but we all, I love the fact that we celebrate everybody just finishing. Mm -hmm. And, um, as much as people want to say that, cause we get that, you know, DK, all the pros, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we could give two shits about that. Sorry. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I mean, I, it's not that we don't want you there too, but that's like, we stay until the last racer finishes their day. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade that for the world. And um, Ali Tetrick comes back down and to watch those yeah. last finishers. Yeah. I'm like, it's so rad that you can be that connected as a, as a community. Um from top to bottom, pointing in to the back, whatever, you know, however you want to look at it. Um, it's as any naysayer that's saying something different, just they just need to go somewhere else because it's just like, don't take it away from people that are actually out here doing it and celebrating, celebrating this and, and loving it and changing their lives because of it. So to me, that's the coolest thing. Even the 20, you know, when, when somebody finishes the 20 miler and they're stoked on that, I'm like, so it's awesome. Yeah. Well, it is such a community thing. There are people coming from all throughout the, the country and literally the world. 17 countries at DK this year. Good gravy. That's bananas. Um, what Emporia has done an exceptionally good job of doing is having it emanate from the center of town. And so there, my impression is there are a ton of people from Emporia who, oh, yeah. who stumble upon this event. They, they're intrigued. Uh, probably... A good portion of those people see see the event first time on Commercial Street, that finishing festival that goes well past the sun goes down. Um, they see it and they want to try it out. And whether they're starting at twenty five or fifty or hundred, um, they're going. They're letting this thing become part of their lives and letting yeah. cycling enter their lives. And that's that's such a cool aspect to 
Well, you to consider the first 30 cans I had two Emporians, and now there's over 400. Whoa, that so, is telling. Yeah. Hot dang. We cha- I mean, we've changed the community, mm-hmm. which is and for healthier and better. I mean, yeah. it's pretty... Right, yeah. There's three bike shops in Emporia. <laughs> That's crazy. So, anyway, yeah, it's... I'm really proud of the way the communities embrace this. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of Emporians refer to it as our Christmas. Because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, when the banners, when the DK banners go up, because they go up at the beginning of May, yeah. it's a complete change in the shift of the, the, the psyche of the town. It's like, <gasps> they're coming. Yeah. You know, and and it's so sad. Like the Monday, Tuesday after, it's like it feels like a ghost town. Yeah. You walk, everybody's just like, oh, oh yeah. When are they coming back? Right. You know, it's funny to go to Mulready's on Sunday morning. Yeah. And like everybody's already leaving. Where are we going? Can we stay <laughs> one more day? Um. This is people have got to be bored with this. Who like? My mom's really? still listening though. She's listening. Okay. Yeah, she good. loves this. Okay. Um. Now that it's. Sun setting at seven o'clock. You got to get your shakeout spin. <laughs> um, Ted King killed my ride. Exactly. That's, that's going to be the name of the podcast. <laughs> um, wrap up with three questions. Oh, okay. One. One. What is your favorite place to ride? Two. Yeah, what is the number one place you would like to ride? And three. What is? Who is the person with whom you would like to go on a bike ride? That, yeah. Flint Hills. Really? I. I Favorite place. Favorite place to ride. Far I, out. Yeah. I love riding in the Flint Hills. Uh, Italy was pretty rad, yeah. but Flint Hills was amazing. Um, after talking to Lael, I'd like to try Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Like, seems like that'd be some pretty kick-ass riding there. I haven't been Tour there. Swiss. That's a early-ass race. Yeah, there's, uh, Switzerland is amazing because the, the, the terrain is so varied. So Nice. Whether it's enormous alpine climbs or something that basically resembles a jungle. They've got it. They've got it. Nice. Yeah. And who I'd want to ride with? Well, Tim is always my number one choice. Great answers. Um, well, and I, I have to say though, like heartwarming that, that's wrap the, up three. The, the the best part about being in this gravel scene is that uh-huh. I get to ride with somebody I want to ride with all the time, and yeah. that's that's what I I mean I love it because it's just like I'm always riding with somebody I want to ride with. Yeah. So um, my my main training partner Lynn Bluebaugh, she's mm-hmm. I'd ride with her any day. So it's. It's uh, it's cool. pretty rad to be in this community because it's like there's very few people I don't want to ride with. There are some. Right. Okay. Do you want that list? No. Yeah, let's go with that. Leland? Let's make this no, dark. Who do you not want to ride with? Where do you not want to ride a bike? Uh, okay, well, wrap up okay. question four. Last oh, question. You said three. I know I did. What is your favorite non-DK event? My in in cycling. Um. Yes. Oh. Um. Well, I dig land run. I don't know if you know. I mean, Bobby and Crystal. I sold their house in Emporia. They're Emporians. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> Do they? This they crazy. they they took the playbook right from Dirty King. I mean, that's yeah. That's their story, land, right? Yeah. They came down in twenty eleven yeah. or so. Something they opened like a shop twenty eleven. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I tried to get them to stay in Emporia big, uh, bad, and hard. Yeah. Bobby and Crystal have been friends of ours for a long time. Do they split their time between here and there? Uh, n- no, uh-uh. They don't. They're here, but they, okay. they come to Emporia pretty frequently. And, nice. Um, but anyway, um, I do, I like the vibe of Land Run. Um, I love RPI. Mm-hmm. You know, Rebecca's so Idaho is, is pretty awesome. The Queen Stage Race was really fun. Yep. Um, 
Beck and I have been chatting quite a bit lately about all things. All things gravel. All things gravel, but then in particular the stuff that has the uh, competitive penchant to it. Because I think at the end of the day, yes, we like being we like being competitive, but we very much love this vibe, mm-hmm. and we don't want to see it tainted anyway. I don't think it's going to get tainted. I don't. I think the base community is too strong. I and and maybe that's just me being like wishful thinking because everybody's like, oh, it's like mountain biking was and blah blah, yeah. you know. And I'm like, but I don't know. I think we have a pretty good. I think the people that are doing a lot of these events have a pretty good grasp on what they are focused on, you mm-hmm. know, and we'll see, but right. um, it doesn't worry me that EF riders are coming to dirty Kansas or right. I think it didn't worry me when Ted King was coming to dirty Kansas. He's already a washed up retiree though. Well, it, it's not the way people <laughs> looked at it. Believe me. I know. I know. Um, so. No. And I, I agree. I think a huge part of that is that it is mass start. And so, they're there for the vibe. They're there for the start. They're there for the fun. They're there to. I mean, I passed Jens Voigt last year. Sure, a lot of people. Did, I beat but him. You kicked his ass in particular. <laughs> um, whereas the masses aren't going to road racing right now. Road racing is. Uh, it's it's in a like I said, the sport is fluid. It's in a low point, and domestic road cycling needs to. They need to have checkpoint towns where people get involved and yeah. get stoked about seeing their... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what did it for me was that we got to go see Tim. We got to participate in his event. It wasn't just a spectator sport. Yeah. And spectating cycling is boring. You I have agree. to be participating in it somehow. Well, and that's what's really interesting. Will What will happen to these road teams? Are they going to come over here and make, make teams a gravel event? Or will road racing somehow revive itself in this cyclical world that is professional cycling? I think, it will. I think it will. So. I think, it, yeah. I don't think it's going to extinct itself. No. I think they'll take some lessons and yeah. learn some things. Beauty. Nice. Well, I lied. It's not actually 6 o'clock nor 7 o'clock. What time is it? It's nary a few minutes after uh, 4 p.m. Okay, so we did okay. You got plenty of time to ride a bike. Or not. Whatever, Whatever makes you fast tomorrow. I just put my... <laughs> Far out. Christy, thank you so much hey, for hosting us for, in your mobile thanks home. Thanks for coming to the RV. <laughs> The Moan Standard Mobile. The MS- RV. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again very much for listening, folks. Once again, I want to thank Christy for taking the time and letting me interrupt her pre-land run routine. I also want to thank Icar once again for supporting this episode. Icor nerds out on science to deliver the most bioavailable product you can get. Their mission is to provide the highest quality, most effective, full-spectrum hemp extract products available, allowing you to have your very best day possible. And I'm excited to share it with you. So try a bottle of Icor at icorlabs.com, that is I-K-O-R-L-A-B-S.com, and save 15% by using the code KINGOFTHERIDE, all one word, KINGOFTHERIDE, at checkout. That is it for me, folks. Thanks very much for sticking around, and until next time... Please enjoy the ride.